Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And you are listening to Calvary Live. Welcome to today's edition. So blessed to be with you for this hour of the program. Calvary Live, of course, is the program where you get to call in, as you just heard the number, 303-690-3000. You get to be on the air and ask your questions and give your prayer requests. So we welcome you to do that right now. Grab one of those open lines. It's great to grab it right away because then you're not put on hold. And uh, all lines are open right now. So 303-690-3000 as we go to the Bible, to the Word of God, uh, to get answers, to get truth uh, concerning your questions. Or we get to go to the throne of grace, uh, as Hebrews 4 says, that we get to do that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, that we get to come boldly into the holy of holies because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so you get to call in with prayer requests, and we uh, uh, see it as an honor to be able to pray with you and to minister to you in that way. So, so glad that you've joined us on today's program of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado, and always a pleasure to be here hosting the show. And so I'm here ready to take your questions and your prayer requests as you heard the number 303-690-3000. And there's a second mean uh, means for you to be able to uh, ask a question and to give a prayer request, and that's through a dedicated text line. And that number is 720-336-0897. Make sure you're safe when you're texting, of course, 720 0897 is the text line for you to be able to ask a question or to be able to give a prayer request. Not only do we want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners along the front range, what a beautiful day here in Colorado. We do have a change coming. The first blast of winter is coming here in about 24 hours. And so hope you're making the proper preparations. Always remember uh, that as we get our first snow, be careful when you're driving. It seems like we forget about the winter driving conditions and uh, just want to put out a quick reminder to just be careful, give yourself plenty of time, have the necessary things in your car um, for winter driving conditions, and then also to uh, make sure that you get plenty of space in between other people. So I want to be able to just pass that along as we got some snow, the first snow of the year coming in later on this week on Thursday. And uh, so be prepared for that. Be aware of it. Dress accordingly. Get your coats out. Uh, because winter is coming, and then uh, afterwards is going to be nice. So uh, just wanted to pass that little bit of information on to you and reminder to you, uh, those of you here in Colorado. Those of you who are listening on the East Coast, you might be thinking, wow, winter comes that early in Colorado. So we want to welcome all the Truth and Hope FM listeners. You are a week delayed if, if you're listening on the radio stations, those two wonderful Christian stations and uh, we want to welcome you on the East Coast to call in as well, 
690-3000 is the number to call. That works anywhere in the country because we also have those who are listening uh, online. We have those who have downloaded the app, the Grace FM app, on their smart smartphones and their tablets. Uh, if you haven't done that, we welcome you to do that. It's a tremendous, tremendous tool for you and a blessing for you to be able to do that because not only do you get to tune in to, uh, to Calvary Live, but on Grace FM as well, wonderful teachers 24-7 all week long to bless you. And, and it's so wonderful to be renewed in our minds with the Word of God. And then also those who are, who are listening on the, the Grace FM website, listening live, we welcome you as well. Uh, I was told to be, uh, right before the show that we have a listener right now from South Africa. So I uh, want to welcome you if you are still listening in. That's about as far away as you can get from Colorado. And uh, we're just so grateful that there are those who all across the world, uh, we get people that listen in. So it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to touch so many lives. Give me a call at 303 690 We have open lines, and grab one of those open lines. Let's talk about the Lord, the things of the Lord, and uh, let's go to the Word of God for clarity and understanding, and let's go to the Lord for prayer as you call him for uh, prayer needs. Uh, certainly, uh, what a blessing it is for all of us to join together in doing that. Uh, today, I noticed in Israel was Yom Kippur. It's the holiest day of the year there in Israel. There was a picture uh, of Tel Aviv and a busy highway, completely empty. And it's a day of of uh, fasting. In the Old Testament, when you read about Yom Kippur, or it was called the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16, it was the day that the high priest uh, would go in behind the veil and he would uh, sprinkle the blood uh, on the mercy seat that was on top of the cov- Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, and he made atonement for the nation, and he did that once a year. So it was the holiest day of the year, a day of fasting, a day where the high priest went behind the veil to make atonement for the nation. Today, because they do not have a temple uh, in Israel or in Jerusalem, it's called a day of reflection, where they reflect their good, uh, hopefully that outweighs their bad, and a day of fast. So all this is taking place in Israel today. But it reminds me of our great high priest, Jesus Christ, who went to the heavenly tabernacle after he made atonement for our sins and shed his blood on Calvary's cross. And I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 9, that according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, that is, the earthly tabernacle, which are copies of the true, that is, the heavenly tabernacle, but the heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another, he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now once at the end of the ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as this is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, 
So Christ was offered once to bear sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. And it's such a wonderful, wonderful portion of Scripture as the writer of Hebrews is telling us that the uh, offering of bulls and goats, the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament, was not enough to take away sin, and that Christ came and offered himself as a sacrifice. He was the superior sacrifice and the great high priest uh, himself, and he offered himself as a sacrifice once and for all to take away sin. And you see that term, once and for all, in the book of Hebrews. And now we have forgiveness of sin. And as Hebrews chapter 10 says, that now, brethren, having the boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, you know, we have boldness or confidence is what that word means. Not our own confidence, but in confidence of what Jesus Christ has done. Because remember in Matthew's gospel that when uh, he records when Jesus died on the cross, when he cried out, it is finished, then the veil in the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place rent in half. It ripped in half and came down, and and God was declaring that now you can come into my presence because Jesus Christ died for our sins. It's such a wonderful truth. We're such a blessed people because we have forgiveness of sin, salvation, right relationship with the Father as we come to Jesus Christ in faith. So uh, it's just something that uh, to reflect on and, and to just rejoice in the gospel message in our salvation found through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hey, we got an open line, 303-690-3000. Let me give you that text number again, 720-336-0897. But let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Christy in Baltimore. Hi, Christy. Hey. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh-huh. I'm fine. Um, my question is, if it was God's plan that Jesus would come to save us, Judas had to step in. Someone had to step in to um, to betray him. And the devil was allowed to work on Judas. And is it Judas's fault? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, and Christy, people people debate that, and, you know, because it was told that he would be the betrayer. Even Jesus knew that, um, that uh, he would be the betrayer. So some people say, well, it wasn't his fault. Um, you know, it, it wasn't uh, his fault that he betrayed Jesus because it was determined, listen, the Lord knew that he would play a part in that. But what I see, particularly as you go to the Upper Room Discourse, you see that Jesus gave Judas opportunity to repent. And I really believe that if Judas would have repented, he would have been forgiven. But, you know, it's, it's like Jesus, um, you know, gave him opportunity to, you know, what he was doing. He, he said, one of you is going to betray me. Um, he washed the feet of Judas. Um, he said that what you must do, do quickly. But Judas did have a choice, and just like all of us have a choice to sin. God, in his foreknowledge, knew that Judas would betray Jesus and play a part in that. So Judas is without excuse. Um, we can't say that, well, it wasn't Judas's fault. It wasn't like he was a puppet and God was pulling the strings. He still had free will. 
He still had, you know, the opportunity to repent, but he refused to do it. So I don't know if that helps you out, Christy. It's, it's hard to fully I, I, understand. I yeah, I truly believe in free will, and we were given free will. And I figured right. if Jesus, I mean, if Judas said no, then someone else would step into place. The, the you know, I, and and it's interesting. What I, had, what I had thought about was that later on he committed suicide, which is also, right. I think, a sin. Um, right. And in the end, if he had, okay, if he had... Uh, repented afterwards and said, I'm so sorry, because he knew he'd done wrong after that. He knew he blew it. Um, what am I thinking? It was, um... Well, here's, Christy, here's oh, some for you to... Oh, this is what he had said. I, I know what it was. I think what Jesus said, better that the person, um, the person would... Better yeah, Jesus had before. some harsh... Yeah, Jesus had okay. some harsh words. He called them the devil. Jesus said it had been better that he had never been born. Here's the thing, that Judas did have a chance to repent, but he never chose to do that. There is another one that sinned that night as well, and that is Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times, but Peter came back to the Lord, and he was called to ministry. So that's where we see the difference. And I think that that Judas was remorseful, that he said, I betrayed innocent blood, but he wasn't repentive. And he had a worldly sorrow that is, Paul writes about that in the New Testament, but he didn't have a godly repentance in his heart that we see. And Jesus had some harsh words to say about him. And, you know, we know that in that upper room that Satan entered him. So he did have the free choice. And God in his foreknowledge knew that Judas would play that role. So it's it's hard to fully understand Christy, but you know, he you know, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him to the end. And it says in that upper room in Luke's narrative that he loved them to the end. And that included Judas. And I'm sure that Jesus wanted Judas to repent and turn to him, but he chose not to. All right, Christy, thanks for calling. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good question. Absolutely. Hey, 303-690-3000. You know, knowing, you know, God in his foreknowledge knows those. We talk about predestination and all these things. Um, and Jesus knew that Judas would be the betrayer. He talked about him. He talked about it before, you know, that that uh, upper room took place where he had dinner with his disciples. And, and Judas played a role in that. Uh, but Judas is without excuse as well and had the opportunity to turn to the Lord, I believe, if he'd chosen to do that. 303-690-3000. When somebody hangs up, we have an open line. So grab one of those open lines. Let's continue uh, with Christopher in New Jersey. Hi, Christopher. Hey, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks for calling. So my question is, uh, Paul said twice in uh, Thessalonians and Corinthians, those who are dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, so what does that mean? Are people, like, when they die, I thought people went to heaven. So are people, like, roaming the earth, like, in spirit right now? Like, Yeah, you're asking a good question, Christopher, because I think there's some confusion. When Paul is talking about, and, and I'll, for the sake of our listeners, I'm going to read 
the text that you're making reference to in First Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 15 talks about the resurrection. So here in in First Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about the resurrection. Christopher, that's what you need to remember, because Second Corinthians chapter 5 does say just as you made reference, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we take our last breath here on earth and we die, immediately we're present with the Lord. Our spirit goes to be with Jesus, and we're in heaven with him. Now our bodies, though, and I've done many funerals where we go to the graveside and we do an internment or an earnment, you know, where we have the urn there, the ashes or that body in a coffin is put into the ground. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 15, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 speak of that time when our bodies will rise. So the resurrection is not just about eternal life. It's about eternal life where that time when we will get new heavenly bodies— 1 Corinthians 15 talks about there's celestial bodies and there's celestial bodies. That is, earthly bodies are bodies that will wear out. But at the rapture of the church, that those dead in Christ, they will rise first, and then we will rise immediately afterwards to meet the Lord in the air. And we will have new resurrected bodies. So that's what's being spoken of, is a resurrected body, a new body, the heavenly body, a celestial body that we will receive at that time. But before that, we go home to be with the Lord. Our spirit was with the Lord. So there is the debate. Do we have a temporary body? You know, uh, since there's no time in heaven, the space-time continuum, you know, um, do we get our new heavenly bodies immediately? It's kind of like after the rapture. I don't know. I know what the Bible says, that at the rapture of the church, then those who are dead in Christ, they will rise first, the graves will open up, and then we will meet the Lord in the air. And that all happens in the twinkling of an eye. And the twinkling of an eye is the speed of light. It's light that reflects off an eye. So immediately, in a nanosecond, that's when it happens. Amazing. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, Yeah, it is. (laughs) You know, and Christopher, here's the thing. Just like, you know, I was talking to... Uh, Christie in Baltimore about some concepts in the scripture are hard for us because we have uh, finite minds and, you know, about predestination and foreknowledge and all of that that the Lord has. But also the resurrection is something that I can't fully understand, you know, how that all works. Because somebody was calling asking about, well, what about the, you know, those who died, you know, 2,000 years ago and, and their bodies are in the the grave and they decay, or the Lord knows every single molecule that he will call up and will have new heavenly bodies that will last forever. And I'm looking forward to it. And even as Paul would write in Second Corinthians chapter 5, that our bodies presently groan, and the older I get, the more that I groan, and, and looking for that new heavenly body at the rapture of the church. 
he said he also said we, we barely understand earthly things. How are we going to understand heavenly things? <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. So looking forward to that day. And, you know, uh, the thing is, is we're to be looking for the Lord. We're to be looking for heaven, looking forward to that new heavenly body, toward no more sickness, no more disease, no no more aches and pains. And um, and I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, we occupy till he comes. Amen? Yeah, amen to that, brother. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you calling, Christopher. Good question. Hey, thank you. Appreciate your radio station. You're all I, I got to listen to. 24-7 Thank you. Car. Great. Keep keep listening. Keep being encouraged. All right. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. And love to be able to uh, talk with you, answer those questions. The Word of God is so good. And uh, let me give you that text number again, 720-336-0897. If you want to text in a prayer request or if you want to ask a question if we have time during this hour. It goes by quickly. Um, We will go to the text line, uh, but let's continue with the phone calls, and let's see who's next. Let's go to David and Greeley. Hi, David. Yes, sir. I've got a question for you. All right. Well, good, good. Thanks for calling. All right. Uh, So in uh, Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about not judging your brother, because the the judgment you dole out will be meted back to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, where is that judgment meted back? Is that would that be like at the bema seat in First Corinthians three? Yeah, he starts out the chapter for the sake of the listeners. Um, you know, in Matthew chapter seven, I'm in Luke chapter seven, but in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. He starts out by saying, um, judge not lest you be judged. And then he says, for with that judgment, you will be judged, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then he goes on. I'm going to keep reading, uh, David. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, the plank is in your own eye. He says, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly remove the speck from the brother's eye. And so he's talking about we don't judge to condemnation. That is really what is being spoken of there, because sometimes we do bring rebuke. We bring correction to others, don't we? And in that, um, we're told to do that, Uh, but there's a right way to do it. We don't judge the condemnation. But we can say to somebody, listen, what you're doing is sin. You know, the Lord loves you. He wants you to turn away from it. Um, So Jesus did not prohibit the judgment of others. He only requires that our judgment be completely fair and that we only judge others by a standard which we also would like to be judged by. And I believe that's what he's saying. So when he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you, you know, this is the principle upon which Jesus is building that command, judge not lest you be judged. And and God will measure unto us according to the same measure we use for others. And so it's, you know, if you're going to be, that, there's always a saying, if you're going to be pointing your finger at somebody and being condemning, then there's going to be three fingers being measured back at you, you know, and pointed back at you. So there's a right way to bring correction 
It's not to condemnation. Um, we are to speak the truth in love. We are to have the motivation for you know uh, others to be restored, uh, to be you know come into uh, God's goodness and correction. Um, but we can't sit there and point out the you know uh, speck in somebody's eye when we have fault ourselves. So you know um, it's a very sobering kind of thing that the Lord is saying to us there. Okay. Well, in what happens to <clears throat> what happens to believers who refuse, and they they're just so hard. Their heart is so hard and bitter, and they stay that mm-hmm. way until the, the bema seat. Aren't they're going to lose rewards over that? Aren't they? Yeah, and here's the thing about the bema reward seat that you're making reference to. And here's the interesting thing, David, is a lot of people don't understand that we are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Romans chapter 14, right? And that is the Bema reward seat of Christ, not to be judged for our sins, because Jesus took that, you know, the judgment for us on the cross. But our works are going to be judged, what we have done in the body, whether good or bad. And he likens our works, Paul does in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, to either they're like wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, precious metal. So all the wood, hay, and stubble, it's all going to be judged by fire, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And the things that are unlike Christ, you know, they're going to burn up. And the things that we did motivate it because we have a love for the Lord and a love for others and desiring to further the kingdom of God, that we're doing those things that are pleasing to the Lord, um, then that's likened to you know, gold, silver, precious metal, and we'll be rewarded for those things. But yeah, our attitudes are a big part of that. And, you know, as a Christian, um, we are told that we're not to be quarrelsome. We're not to be judging the condemn. You know, we are to be having a spirit of gentleness and kindness, and we are to teach in that way. Uh, P- Paul uh, writes to Timothy something very important, um, in Second Timothy chapter 2, he says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, that God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So we are to do it in humility and, and correcting those, not just judging to condemn and pointing out you know, the speck in somebody's eye when we ourselves have a log in our own eye. So um, so that's all part of it uh, that Jesus is saying in this judgment. Yeah, I think about the bane of seat all the time, and I'm going, man, I'm going to have to be accountable for what I'm doing, thinking, motives, yes. and whatever, and it's changing yeah. my life. You know? Yeah, and we're going to talk about that on Wednesday as we're in Revelation chapter 20, and, you know, the the... Uh, the millennium reign, we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And and the Lord talks a whole lot about rewards, doesn't he? Uh, The parable of the talents, the parable of the minas, what has been given to us, entrusted to us, have we invested that? And and there are rewards to be given and crowns to be given, and we should care about that. Paul writes, you know, run to win the prize, um, things like that. So 
Um, you know, we should care about those things because Jesus spoke a whole lot about it. The New Testament speaks a whole lot about it. So not being judged for our sins, but we are going to stand at the Beamer reward seat of Jesus Christ to receive rewards, what we have done in the body, whether good or bad. And all of our works tried by fire, and it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble, or precious metals, gold and silver. And I don't want to build my life upon wood, hay, and stubble. You know, um, I, I don't. Ashes instead of the wood, yeah. the silver and gold and everything. Also, yeah, we 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 need to do that with a love for Jesus Christ. So, hey, David, good question. Right. Appreciate Thank your you call. So much. God bless Goodbye. you. All right. Hey, we're getting ready to go to break, and um, so give me a call. We got a couple open lines. 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs. We'll be right back in about two minutes. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And you just heard those numbers where you can be a part of the show. You are tuned in to the second half of Calvary Live. I'm Pastor Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley on this beautiful, warm fall day in Colorado. It's all going to come to an end here in a couple days as we have that winter weather coming in. Again, to remind you, prepare for it, be careful, um, and be ready for the winter season because uh, snow is coming and the cold is coming. Drain back your sprinklers. Don't forget to do that, all that good stuff. And so, so glad that you're tuned in today to today's program. We had a great first half, great questions that were asked. And uh, as uh, David called in, in, in the East Coast, Christopher and Christy, and some really challenging, good questions, it blesses me to hear, you know, uh, and to uh, have people ask those questions because I know they're studying their Bible and they're desiring to know the Word of God more, and it's just uh, it's so wonderful to be able to do that. We are going to be uh, continuing in our study in the book of Revelation tomorrow night here at Calvary Greeley, 7 o'clock. We'll be talking about the millennium reign of Christ. It's interesting that more and more churches, it seems like, uh, and more and more Christians don't believe that there is going to be a millennium reign. Um, some have adopted the Kingdom Now theology, where... Um, you know, we're going to usher in the kingdom. There's different aspects of that theology. Um, they don't believe in the rapture of the church, and I think it's unfortunate because the Bible is very, very clear that we have a blessed hope, uh, the coming of the Lord for his church. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, we've already read some of those scriptures today, and uh, as Paul talks about it in First Corinthians 15, that in a moment and twinkling of an eye, we all shall be changed. Uh, also, Jesus spoke about it in John chapter 14, that I come to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And he's going to come when the, the trumpet blows, and he's going to come for his church. We're going to meet him in the air. It's First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to be caught up as that word harpazo, uh, where we get the Latin word rapturus, and I can't wait. And Jesus said, I come when you're least expected. So the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church, I believe can happen at any time. We don't know the day or the hour, but we are to be watching. We are to be waiting. We are to be prepared for that. 
occupy till he comes. And some people say, well, that, that word rapture just means that we'll be raptured, you know, this this awesome feeling when the Lord comes back. No, it is a taking and snatching away. Matter of fact, it is used in another time, I believe, in the New Testament, that Harpazo, when Philip was caught up, when he was in um, in Samaria and caught up to Gaza. So uh, he uh, was harpazoed. He was caught up physically. He was taken to Gaza, and we will be physically meeting the Lord in the air. Uh, so um, just wonderful promise. In the millennium reign, the Bible talks a whole lot about the millennium reign. Jesus Christ is going to come and rule and reign from this earth for a thousand years, and we're going to rule and reign with him. So come join us, 7 o'clock, as we study the book of Revelation and talk about the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. We've got a place for all the kids and youth group. Come worship with us. Love for you. That Come check it out and come be blessed in God's Word. CalvaryChapelGreeley.com. Check us out on our website. Well, let's go to Barbara in Greeley. Barbara? Barbara? Are you there? Oh, Barbara. Let me check my call screen. She dropped. Okay, Barbara, if you get a chance to call back, love to be able to to um, just uh, pray with you. Um, you um, wanted prayer, and we can do that right now. Uh, even though you're not on the line, wanted to encourage you. Um, and uh, you have a daughter that you want prayer for. And, um, and so we are going to do that. And Father, I pray for Barbara. She was being patient and hanging on. But, Lord, we pray for her daughter. Um, she is bitter towards the Lord. Um, I don't know her heart, but you do. And I pray that you would draw her back to yourself, that, Lord, that you uh, say in Isaiah, your ministry is that you don't break a, a bruised reed. You don't quench a smoking flax. And and as she's cold in her heart right now, just kind of smoldering or perhaps bruised for whatever reason, that, Lord, that you administer your comfort to her and your love to her, that you give Barbara just the opportunity to uh, minister to her daughter. And, Lord, as parents, we we it, it breaks our hearts when we uh, raise our children in the ways of the Lord um, and see them begin to walk away or be bitter towards you. Lord, so I pray that you be with Barbara, give her wisdom in ministering to uh, her daughter. I pray for her daughter to come to you, that her, her heart would be touched by you in a very, very deep way. And we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I know that there are some of you that you are uh, out there and you have children that are out in the world um, that perhaps they've walked away from the Lord or perhaps involved in the world, keep praying for them, keep ministering to them, don't stop, um, and and continue to lift them up in prayer and uh, to, to come home. And I believe that's what the Father did when we read that story in Luke's Gospel of the Prodigal Son. And it says that he saw his son from afar off. And I think as he's at the end of the road looking, I think every day that the Father went to the end of the road you know, looking for his son. And then that one time he saw him and he ran to him. And you keep praying for your children, your grandchildren, and others that you love um, that are out there in the world um, and for them to come home. Keep praying for that. Hey, 303-690-3000. 
We got a couple open lines, and 720-336-0897 is the text line. Let's go to Richard in Baltimore. Hi, Richard. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Uh, sinus problems. Other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad I, you called. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I had a, a um, discerning heart for uh, for Christians in respect to uh, the difference between Calvinism and Arminian, and mm-hmm. I, I just hear it. You know, one <coughs> church. Excuse me. Um, a particular leader, I won't give his name, but he's on the radio a lot, and he's big in the Christian world. But uh, a lady had talked about him, saying that what his beliefs were, um, which way he leaned, I won't say. But it's just confusing for me to understand why Christians would, you know, go against a brother for believing one way or the other. Uh, we're supposed to uh, encourage each other and lift them up mm-hmm. and pray for them. And uh, if you disagree, that's you know it's okay to to dis- disagree. But right. um, I just really uh, I don't have a hold on either one of them. I lean towards Calvinism, but um, mm-hmm. I don't give a hundred percent. But I'm not sure, you know, which way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the thing about you know, we can have differences of in theology. Um, we may have differences of the rapture of the church, for example. Some believe that the rapture will take place, you know, at the end of the tribulation period, or in the middle, or you know, or two thirds way through. Some believe before. I happen to believe in, you know, a pre-tribulation rapture. But it doesn't mean that, you know, those who have a different view that they don't love the Lord, of course they love the Lord. It doesn't mean they're not saved, of course they're saved. Um, We're not saved because we have the right view of the rapture of the church. Um, And we can have disagreement, and we can still have fellowship. There is also disagreements when it comes to Calvinism versus Arminianism. I don't believe in all five points of Calvinism— some of the things like total depravity, yes, um, the whole human race has has failed. Um, we we know that um, you know uh, uh, that uh, he does choose us. Uh, I part of what Calvinism believes in is limited atonement. I I don't agree with that. Uh, that he only died for those who are saved. Irresistible grace. Um, you know, those kinds of things I don't agree with, but it doesn't mean that they're not Christians. And it doesn't mean that they're not saved. Of course they are. They have a theological bent, and they hold to a different view on that. And so as Christians, we may disagree, but we're still to have fellowship. We're still to understand that we're one body, and we can disagree on those things. And um, and so... Uh, to me, I know where the Lord has me at, um, and where uh, I teach the scriptures. And there are others that, you know, they teach it. You know, uh, five point Calvinism or five point Arminianism. I'm not five point Arminianism either. Um, so, um, but they still love the Lord and they still love the Word of God and study the scriptures. So, 
it, you know, we shouldn't be putting each other down or, you know, all of that. And we had a question earlier about judging to condemnation, those kinds of things. We can disagree. Um, and sometimes we agree to disagree, right? We, the church, though, would look at it that way. Uh, but it seems like um, that some are really stuck on that point. And uh, it's just sad to uh, hear that. Uh, you know, pretty much, pretty much follow what you've been saying. Um, now, you know, but you know, and I don't have a hold of it yet. <laughs> and one of the things that, um, and just to kind of um, expand on this a little bit, there are there's so many voices out there, Richard, and and this is beyond just having a different theological stance on something, but there are those who are teaching false doctrine. Um, more and more voices, you know, uh, behind the pulpit that are denying, you know, clearly what the Scripture says. So there are essentials that we stand on that, that as uh, defenders of truth, that we're going to stand on those truths. And more and more the Church is accepting that, which is not true, um, accepting false teaching, a false Christ, uh, denying biblical morality, the, the biblical definition of marriage, all those things, for that we must stand up to and, and declare truth. And so there, there's a balance in that. But for those who take uh, different theological stances on some things, you know, we don't have to, to be dividing over that. We're still brothers and sisters in the Lord, and um, we can agree to disagree on certain points. Um, and, you know, the church, we're one body, and, you know, Paul would talk about the carnality of the Corinthians because they were divided. Some said, well, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, that is Peter. The real spiritual ones were saying of Christ, and he said, is Christ divided? So we don't want to divide on those non-essentials um, things in the church, and we, we may feel strongly. I feel very strongly about the pre-tribulation rapture. I teach it, I, I defend it, I stand on it. But I'm not going to divide over it. A brother who maybe has another view that loves the Lord, um, and so that's where we need to be careful. All right. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, Richard. All right. Thanks for calling. Appreciate mm -hmm. you listening in. Thank you very much. You bet. God bless you. All right. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Great discussions that we're having today. Give me a call. We got a couple open lines, and uh, love for you to be able to call in and ask a question. That text line is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Rudy in Denver. Hi, Rudy. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I have a uh, quick question. Last couple of Sundays uh, in church, I see my son on his phone. And I kind of nub him with my elbow, and like, what are you doing? And he's reading the Bible. You know, he's following, he's following the, you know, the sermon at church. And he, he's, you know, he's using, he has the Bible app on his phone. So I thought that was kind of cool. But his birthday's coming up, and I was wondering, what is a good Bible to get a teenager that would be kind of easy to understand? A couple of friends at church yeah. I requested a couple, but I, I forgot what Dad said. Yeah, I think that's a good question because, um, you know, for me, for almost, we're going to be 
24 years I've been in Greeley coming in January. I can't believe it. It's a long time, isn't it? Um, that, that we started the church here in Greeley in her home. And so I always use the new King James. So for me and those who have been with me for years, the new King James is a good translation. And it's, you know, you memorize scripture in new King James or so used to it. My Bible's all marked up. I know exactly where to go. Uh, people are used to it. I teach out of it. But today, there's some, some good translations, particularly, I think, for your 14-year-old son, that would be good um, for him, easier to understand. And that is the New Living Translation, I think, is a good translation for him to get and would be good to study. And I think that, that Rudy, that, you know, the, it's, it's great to have the Bible app on your phone or on your tablet, and, and that's a good thing, and it's a good tool. But I always encourage people, get a Bible. Get a Bible, uh, a hard copy uh, that is a book to where you can mark it, you can turn the pages, you can carry it with you. Um, I always encourage people to do that. So I think, you know, for your stepson, uh, a good— Bible, a New Living Translation is something that's going to be easier for him to understand. For shop for a Bible, where would I find one? Where's there a? Well, wherever okay. you're, in, you're in the Denver area, wherever there's okay. a Christian books bookstore, or you can get on, okay. you know, Christ, Christian books, you know, sellers, you know, uh, oh, website. Okay. You, okay. you can find it and order one. We have them here at Calvary Greeley in our bookstore, and we sell our Bibles at cost. We have New King James, you know, the um, uh, Word for Today study Bible. We have New Living Translations, too. I believe our youth, they use the New Living Translation that Pastor Luke uses that because it's easier for them to understand. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Because so, I offered I offered him mine, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a New King James, but he was just like, I it mixed up. He says I get tongue tied with the with the yeah. word, and so I'll you know his birthday's coming up, and it's a, I think that'd be the best gift for him. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it is good. And Rudy, you're right on the right track. Um, get him a <laughs> translation that he can read and easier to understand, and then get a book to where he can take it. We give Bibles out all the time at youth. We want them to have a Bible, and and one of the things is is well, let's get them a good, you know good quality Bible, um, and that's what we do. Uh, anyone who comes to church that doesn't have a Bible, we will get them a Bible. And in the sanctuary, we have the New King James, and they can take that. But um, for the youth particularly, we have New Living Translation, I believe, Pastor Luke, because it's easier for them to understand. And when it's easier to understand, they're going to be more apt to read it. Yeah, and that's that's what I feel. Yeah, that's think, Yeah, and I think more churches are going to New Living Translation, um, and it may be something that you know we might do at times, or I might quote from the New Living Translation. Um, but like I said, I've been in the New King James so long it's stuck in my head. Yeah. And, uh, hope, hopefully, it's in my heart. But um, but it I'm is. so used to it, and a lot of the congregation is, but. Yeah, get the translation that's easy to read, and for our young people particularly. 
and we even encouraged him to go down to the, you know, to, to the to the teen teen Bible studies, you know, downstairs. And he just, I guess he don't know, he don't know nobody, and he chooses to sit with us. So I won't push him, you know, to go downstairs. Yeah. And I don't know what Bible that they're teaching from, but you know, that's like kind of told him, well, maybe you know, you get some, you get one downstairs, and he looked at me like, I want to sit with you. And <laughs> so, it is, and it is, yeah. it's it's a tough age where he's at. Where you know they can feel a little bit intimidated, they can feel a little bit, you know, I don't know anybody, so don't be afraid to talk to the the youth leader. To uh-huh. to what we do is uh, we will grab like Luke um, and um, his wife Ashley. They will come down and meet the kids. They will talk with them. Just a face to be seen, and mm-hmm. and then um, you know they'll invite them up. And it's okay if he sits with you for a little bit. And and then, you know, just kind of when he's ready, he'll be able to go. And um, But just, you know, have him meet the youth leaders. You know, maybe sit in there with him. I don't know. But he'll he'll go when he's ready and he feels yeah. comfortable. Well, it's funny because all the teenagers just say they don't go downstairs. I think they think they're too old. And all the little kids <laughs> go down there. But it's a teenage Bible study. And, he, you know, yeah. it's I'll stay upstairs, but thank you for that. And can we just Absolutely. pray that uh, you know God helps me to keep him in the way of the Lord? Absolutely, great prayer, Father. Uh, what a privilege it is to pray for Rudy and for his son, his stepson. And Lori's fourteen years old. I, I know that is a tough age, and and the enemy is working overtime on our young people and trying to pull them away from you. And I just pray that you be with Rudy, help him to minister to his son. Um, I pray that the Word of God gets put into his heart, and um, and the seed of the Word is planted there, takes root there, and fruit is produced. I pray you give Rudy just wisdom in ministering to him. I thank you that he's taken him to church, uh, his son, that they're sitting together, they're learning the Scriptures, and to be able to talk about it, the things of the Lord, what they learn. So I just pray that you would grow them, that you would mature them, increase their faith. Um, may they just abound in love for you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank amen. you. You bet. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks. You, you bet. 303-690-3000. We got some time left. Let's go to George in Castle Rock. Hi, George. Hey, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. So I'll just ask my question, Pastor, and then I'll hang up and listen to your response, if that's okay. Okay. Yep, that's fine. So I have some family members that are Catholic, and I'm just wondering, um, is a Catholic uh, considered a Christian, and will they go to heaven? It's a good question. And, um, and I know you're going to hang up, and... You know, I get asked this, and, and uh, George, as you're listening, I grew up in the Catholic Church. So, you know, when I grew up in the Catholic Church, the whole time that I was there, I was not saved because I never heard the gospel. Um, I thought I was saved because I took of communion. I thought I was saved because I was baptized as an infant. I thought I was saved and going to heaven because I was confirmed in the Catholic Church. I thought I was saved because I was doing the sacraments there. And I realized when I first heard the gospel that I wasn't saved. Uh, it was actually when I was in college where I went to Calvary Chapel, and the Word of God was opened up to me, 
and I realized that I needed to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. So, you know, to, to say, are Catholics going to heaven? Listen, whether it's Catholics or Lutherans or anybody else that is religious, we know that the church cannot save anyone. The Catholic Church can't. Calvary Chapel can't. Um, no denomination can save anyone. No amount of good works, you know, doing the sacraments. Baptism isn't going to save you. Uh, the only thing that brings salvation is faith alone in Jesus Christ. So the answer is, if they believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, surrender their lives, ask for forgiveness, then whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and that's the answer for anyone. Uh, but unfortunately, there are many that are relying on because they belong to the Catholic Church, and it's just not the Catholics. It's anyone that that grows up in a church. They think, I'm okay because I've gone to church and that I have you know, done these works. I've been baptized. I, I am a good person. What do you mean I need this Jesus? You know, I'm a good person. Uh, I, I have a Bible. Uh, I've been to church. I belong to the church. I give to the church. And it's interesting, George, I think if you stood outside of churches, just a number of churches and people coming out, if you were to ask them, if, you know, you die and, and you know, you stood before God and, and you were asked, why should you be led into heaven? They'll have all kinds of answers. Because I belong to this church, or I gave to the church, or I was baptized in the church, or I, I was a good person. I was a religious person. Religion didn't, hasn't saved anyone. And, um, and good works and giving to the church. But it is faith alone in Jesus Christ. And I think it's important for us to understand that, particularly as Christians, and to relay that message. And as we minister to um, our, our um, Catholic family and friends that we know, or those who perhaps uh, have grown up in a traditional church, uh, whatever it might be, that they're trusting in their religion rather than trusting in Jesus. And that's what Christianity is about. It's about relationship with the true and the living God that only comes through Jesus Christ, and to give them the gospel. And I love what Paul says when he came into Corinth. Um, He says that, you know, when I came to you, that I didn't come in, you know, human wisdom, but I came in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, and I was determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's what we want to give people. We want to give them Jesus Christ and Him crucified because Jesus is the one that saves. He went to the cross, died for our sins. He rose from the grave. And what makes Christianity unique is there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. All other religious um, you know, leaders are um, in the grave, and uh, they uh, did not conquer the grave. They're in their tombs. Only Jesus did. He proved he's the Son of God who rose from the grave, and that um, he's alive, and it validates what he did on the cross. And the Bible is very clear that we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus. And we uh, come in faith, and we are forgiven, and we are ones that have salvation and right relationship with the Father. And that's the good news of it. So just wanted to pass that along. I think it's a good way to end the show, because I think that you who are out there, that, that all of us, uh, 
um, that we know people who perhaps think that they're going to be able to stand before God and to be able to say that I was a good person. And again, in our Wednesday night study tomorrow night, as we're in Revelation chapter 20, there's a thing uh, that's going to happen after the millennium reign, and that is the great white throne judgment, where unbelievers are going to stand, and and they will not be able to say, hey, I was a good person, um, I was a religious person, or I believed in this God, Jesus Christ, there's no other name under heaven in which a man must be saved or, or anyone. And that is belief in him. And that's the gospel message, the good news, that Jesus died for our sins, rose again, and he's alive. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved as you turn to him. Um, and that's what that word repent means. It means turn to him and give your life to him. Uh, he is the one that is the author of eternal life. So if you haven't done that, will you do that if you're listening right now? Give your life to Jesus Christ and and turn to him because he loves you. And uh, and maybe there's somebody out there that you haven't done that. Maybe you've been listening to Calvary Live and you're saying, I thought I was okay. But would you just pray that, Jesus, I come to you now, and I ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me, and, and you're the Son of God who made atonement for my sins, was put into a grave, and, and you rose again, and you're alive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, God bless you. What a privilege to be able to declare the gospel to you, God's word to you. Privilege to be with all of you that have listened today. We had a great show. And... Uh, So looking forward to being with you next time here on Calvary Live. Make sure that you keep reading your Bibles. God bless you, and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.